Well, hi, and welcome to this very special podcast episode, which we're recording as part of HSF's 2023 Global Bank Review. I'm Libby Jarvis, Director of Legal Ops Advisory at HSF, and today I'm very excited to be joined by three special guests from NAB Legal. John Benson, Executive, Chief Legal Officer, Customer Divisions, Matt Zaba, Executive, Digital and Technology, Legal and Operations, or DTLO for short, and Hannah Schulson, Head of Operations and Transformation, DTLO. As you know, a critical part of my job is horizon scanning, forecasting emerging issues to understand what this means for lawyers, including those working in-house. And it's a key activity of your roles too. And not wanting to give away the exact number of years, but collectively, you've had decades of experience navigating the various and often rapid trends shaping the banking sector. So based on this, I'm really keen today to hear your perspectives on a few things within the overall theme of this year's review, which is trust. These things cover the increasing pace and nature of change, the critical skills lawyers will need to understand and adapt to, and what emerging trends are out there, and more broadly, how banks and their in-house legal functions are setting themselves up for success as legal teams of the future. Probably enough framing for me at this point, but we might get started with exploring that topic. So what is being the legal team of the future and what does it mean to each of you? And John, we might start with you. Oh, thanks, Libby. Um, look, it's a pretty exciting time, actually. You know, um, at the same time as we have these macro trends impacting society and our industries that we all work in, these are also things that are impacting the function of the legal team. And so, you know, it's important we're not only engaging with those macro themes, things like technology, digitization, data, and also, you know, in the post-COVID world, there's a lot of budgetary pressures that are going to drive innovation. So to be an effective legal team of the future, I think that team needs to ensure they have the capability to advise on a whole host of new areas and also consider how those um, trends that they're advising on might also be applied in their own teams to help them solve their own challenges. Um, so in banking, it means you know we need to advise on how we simplify and digitise our offering to customers informed by the safe use of data. And then at the same time, the legal team needs to consider how those trends or themes could be used by the team to enhance how it also operates within the bank. So another example would be, you know, at the same time as we're simplifying, digitising our own legal processes to provide better transparency to our internal customers, and, and hopefully at the same time, um, getting rid of an Excel spreadsheet, which I loathe, and uh, I know all of our teams um, do not like the sort of manual data entry aspect of this. You know, we want to think about how we could provide automated advice, uh, gain automated data and insights from what we're working on so we can think about how we might enhance or improve our own model. The upside, I think, I think for the legal teams of the future is a lot of that should ensure we unlock capacity. It's not only important that we do that from an efficiency perspective and deliver value to our internal customers, but it will also mean we have more time, capacity to focus on the higher risk areas and also get across new areas of law. And I think that is quite exciting from my perspective. But I might hand over to Matt and Hannah because 
they are the ones that have been helping us, you know, lead this work at NAB, and I'm really interested to see um, what their insights might be to the same question. Well, we all like the sound of losing Excel spreadsheets. Matt, what's your take on it? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Libby. Um, I mean, just to reiterate what John said, but core to any legal team is advising about those risks. That is how to avoid them, mitigate them, manage them and find our way through them. That is that is what I think a legal team at, at a very high level does. So the legal team of the future still has to um, provide that guidance and that advice, but it should be leveraging the technology and the new ways of working in order to better provide that function. Um, lots of our customers, our internal customers that we work with, absolutely value as a priority the strategic input that they get from legal advisors. That is the guidance when a product is being developed, a new approach to something is being considered, a new deal is being constructed, a variety of things there. And so I feel that the legal team of the future is one that really embraces all of that technology and all of those ways of working and determines how can they best free up some of their time so that then they can provide uh, and prioritise that strategic input to their clients. Anna, your thoughts? Yeah, um, well, absolutely. And I think John and Matt, you've articulated this so incredibly well. So while noting I'm in full agreement, I'll just simply add that we are absolutely in this super exciting time where I think being the legal team of the future is presenting these opportunities, new ways of working and potentially new uses of technology that we might have considered in the past. So it's absolutely critical that our teams are feeling empowered and enabled to work hand in hand with their business and stakeholders, while of course keeping the customers and stakeholders at the forefront of everything that they do. Well, I love how you've each built on each other and there's some interesting themes there that hopefully we'll pick up in, you know, later in this podcast around be, you know, being active, leaning in, but also that legal plus type concept, which um, I think is fascinating. So we've been observing a number of shifts in the risk landscape that banks are operating in. I mean, I don't need to tell any of you, you're experiencing this firsthand. So scams, regulatory change, digital banking are examples that come to my mind immediately. But within this context, and maybe John, how have you seen the role of in-house legal teams change in light of these shifts? Um, so I agree, the landscape has been shifting, Libby. So there's a lot of major themes, obviously, impacting the bank and, and our teams at the moment. Look, I do think the role of the legal team hasn't changed that much, but how we have serviced the business has changed quite a bit. And so when you think about things like ESG and such a broad and diverse topic, we are probably having to make sure that we connect far better than we have in the past across a whole range of skill sets to make sure we're delivering the sort of strategic practical advice to the business on on things like climate change, things like human rights and things like social housing. These are the kind of new topics and areas that probably 10, 15 years ago were sort of done in a couple of specialist teams, but now we need to connect all those dots to provide the sort of trusted advisor um, input that our business expects. So how we collaborate has been the sort of key shift for me and also connecting with external advisors, not just legal firms, but advisory firms to help best support the bank on these sort of cross-cutting issues. And do you think it's also flowing 
onto how the legal team services the business and its stakeholders as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, you know, oftentimes um, we need to provide that sort of really clear advice and um, needs to be quite practical. Um, but we need to synthesise sometimes, you know, three or four different um, specialist legal teams inputs to make sure we're bringing it together um, at, in the one sort of conversation and having that impact. Um, and that that needs to happen, I suppose, more quickly in an environment where some of these themes are evolving uh, in real time. And we've certainly seen that with scams and frauds. Um, so taking account of sort of some of those shifts, I suppose, uh, means that we need to um, make sure we have the, all of that capability already developed so we can have the right, give the right advice at the right time. And you raised some good topics around the emerging technologies and, you know, generative AI, which is obviously the topic of the moment. So, Hannah, maybe over to you. I know from our work together that you spend a lot of time planning for and then helping the lawyers and the teams navigate um, and adapt to things such as shifting risk landscape, you know, new ways of working. So I don't think we could have this podcast without touching on the emerging technologies and I guess the opportunities and risks surrounding these. So maybe at this point, we have a bit of a chat about your thoughts and in particular, how NAB Legal are preparing for the adoption of things like generative AI. Thanks, Libby. And yeah, it really is an exciting time. Acknowledging that, of course, it is super early days and something that I'm not quite sure anyone has quite mastered yet. Um, what we have done is really taken the approach to throw ourselves at it. So engaging with it, experimenting with it and really getting in front of it to support moving our team and, of course, ultimately the bank forward. On the shifting or evolving risk landscape piece that you mentioned, what we've been doing is working hard to equip our lawyers to provide legal advice from a position of deeply understanding this new and or emerging technology. What we've done is we've stood up a Gen AI Legal Brains Trust or cohort, bringing together lawyers from across our various legal teams who have already started or will soon start advising on this area of emerging technology. The intention of this cohort is to support learning, upskilling and information sharing to really ensure that we're staying connected and learning as this area of law evolves. The cohort also has access or at least visibility to these emerging technologies that they're advising on to really support this. With regards to the opportunities that you mentioned, this is actually where it gets a little bit exciting. Um, we have taken a two-pronged approach. So foundationally, getting our house in order to prepare for it, whilst concurrently experimenting with what we have available to us at this time so that we can start exploring and wrapping our arms around the potential use cases, having a little bit more experience with the tech itself. Um, but what I would say is reflecting on what we've learned and what's probably been the greatest learning so far is that data, or what I should say is good quality data, is everything. And I absolutely don't understate that. Um, and this actually ties in quite nicely to a great analogy I heard recently that was, good data is the new oil, Bad data is the new asbestos. Um, and really, this is a new take on trash in, trash out, meaning that if your data being ingested is rubbish, then anything beyond that point is going to be too. So here at NAV Legal, we've actually been really fortunate to have laid down some pretty solid foundations over the past couple of years. We've built out and developed our lawyers' digital data and technology skills um, with now 
all of our 200 lawyers capturing their workflow data. And what that means is we have a comprehensive understanding of the nature of our work, where it's coming from, and most importantly, opportunities where we can do things better. And then it's armed with these data-led insights that our lawyers have been enabled to now digitally receive their work with all required instructions and documents via our legal front door, um, be supported by a centralised knowledge hub, and of course, a suite of self-service resources for both our lawyers and our stakeholders. And so what this really means is we've actually started identifying many of our potential use cases and been able to start finessing the data or supporting resources to support these. So I say all of that and that's all quite sort of practical, um, but most importantly and positively, this all ties into the mindset shift that was seen within the team and how critical our approach of building trust and taking a people first approach every single step of the way has been. Because as we all know, you can have the best technology in the world, but if your people don't believe in it or they don't want to use it, then it's absolutely futile. And I guess an example of this is how we've leveraged our data-led insights to launch a program of work appropriately named Better Ways of Working. And what this is, is our lawyers are now actively identifying data-led opportunities based on their own workflow data where they can do things better. And they have self-identified these. And what these look like is it could be simply improving or streamlining a process, better using technology, automating, or you guessed it, generative AI. So this is all, of course, feeding into our appetite and the vast opportunities that are starting to present as to how we can start experimenting with Gen AI. And so as part of this experimental approach, just by way of example, because we could be here all day talking about it, um, an example of this is testing Microsoft's Copilot. So we have all of our Gen AI lawyers cohort as part of this, in addition to some other senior lawyers who have actually proactively suggested use cases based on their own data, who have shown a passion in the area. Um, so we have these lawyers who are now starting to experiment, test their use cases, and see where this generative AI can provide value to both them and their teams day to day. One of the things I love most about Copilot is that Microsoft itself has come out and noted that Copilot is Copilot, not Autopilot. So it's there to support us and to help us to move up the value chain not to remove the critical role that us as humans play. So it's all very exciting and it's really just only the beginning. Well, personally, I'm taking notes, Hannah. Uh, I love that quote about the asbestos and oil. I think I might just pocket that and use that internally. And, you know, you touch on data and the importance and I guess the opportunity here that we have around that. Um, I'm super passionate about data and I think you know, like many things, as you say, generative AI really gives us the opportunity to use this as a bit of a trigger to redefine the work that legal teams are mm -hmm. doing or not doing or doing differently. Um, so, I mean, we could talk for hours on that particular point. So that really resonates. Another theme that I think I'm hearing from all of you on various aspects is, is driving change is really a linear process. It's hard, um, it's challenging, it ebbs and flows, and I think, you know, behavioural change is complex. So, Matt, I think I'm interested in understanding how NAB Legal, because in, from my perspective, you're doing this really well um, and you've embraced, you know, as Hannah was saying, a lot of um, 
proactivity in what you're seeing coming down the line and really trying to lean into that. So I'm really interested in how you've been able to foster a culture that leans in to this challenge and embraces transformation change. Thanks, Libby. I think it's really important to say at the outset, it it hasn't been just NAB driving that. It has been us working with our strategic partners to determine what has worked, what hasn't worked, what has been other experiences and things that we can leverage off from others. So that has been really, really helpful at the get-go along the journey that is we're already on and we're probably a few years into it. But perhaps if I reflect on what has worked and what hasn't worked, um, we, we developed a legal technology strategic roadmap. And what that did at the end of the day was determine, okay, what are the building blocks that we need here and what order do those things that we need to develop um, have to occur? So there's no use saying I want a wonderful piece of um, technology without uh, at least appreciating that you've got the skills and capabilities to use it or that you've got a foundation of technology um, backbone there that can allow that or that your people are going to embrace that. So there's a whole series of things that um, work as those foundational uh, building blocks. So we tried, once we had that strategic roadmap in place, we first tried to lead with technology. And it's safe to say that we failed and we made a mistake and we needed to take a different approach. And that approach was is that we needed, we recognised that we needed to be relationship led and we needed to build relationships, walking hand in hand and supporting our colleagues on this change journey and getting the feedback. Yes, there needs to be a nudge um, that occurs here, but at the same time, there's there's mistakes that are made along the way. And it's just recognising that that change has those mistakes and those opportunities to learn as it just iteratively evolves over time. So it should come as no surprise that capability, a team dedicated to leading this work and data were um, key foundational blocks to what we needed to do as part of that strategic work. We needed to understand what capabilities our teams had, what what capabilities our legal teams had, gaps, and really an important thing was what was the desire to learn here? And again, this comes back to how we've also worked with strategic partners um, like yourselves, which is how can we leverage some of the great educational um, uh, programs that you have to upskill our people in, in regard to that? So we don't want to make it compulsory training. I always see that when something's compulsory, it just has a complete different effect on people. This has to be something that people ask us. So I remember when we ran a survey about what people wanted to learn about that technology, AI, cyber, all those things were listed as um, education and fields of expertise that our lawyers wanted to become uh, better in um, and they may not have been that may not have been their primary field of expertise to start with but the the important thing is is that lawyers they they're so keen to embrace new ideas and new ways of doing things and new technology that you've just got to figure out how as part of the change program how you harness that and you start to direct that and then it gains momentum the other thing that we had to do was we had to make sure that we were aligned with the strategic goals of our enterprise and the group executive was absolutely driving this from the top. Um, you need that support from the top so that the message just continues to flow and that everyone's on board. Um, this includes creating and funding a dedicated team to drive that work, which is what we did in this particular occasion. Hannah, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so as Matt mentioned, our tech-led strategy didn't quite land, 
But that was okay and a really great learning because what it really evidenced was the importance of a people-led approach. And it was armed with that learning that we actually framed our strategy around our teams and our stakeholders' pain points and what we could do to tangibly make a difference to improve engagement or just essentially make their day-to-day better. Of course, since then, our data has evolved and we've been able to actually evolve our strategy to better align with these data-led insights, but at the time when we needed to quickly build trust with the team and earn some quick wins to build that trust, um, this strategy was a lot more successful. But Libby, back to your point around this not being easy, it definitely isn't. And I think it's really important to reflect and acknowledge that there are going to be plenty of things that don't work or don't go to plan. And you know what? That is so okay. And even with our teams, we've really taken a deliberate approach to make sure that they feel that comfort, that it is okay to fail. Um, And I guess an example of that is we've labelled our initiatives experiments. And with that thinking, an experiment is just a testing of something at a moment in time And it could work, it couldn't work. And only if it does work, will we move it through to the initiative stage. But we do anticipate plenty of experiments to fail, and that is okay. But just to round it out, and as Matt touched on, we've been incredibly fortunate with the strong leadership, both within legal and at NAB, with absolute support and really clear priorities and a strategy around digitization, simplification, and improving the colleague and customer experience. It's also refreshing. I think in our own journey, we found some similar themes there around, you know, focusing on users and and understanding that behavioural change ultimately is relationship-based and and all the things you talk about. So I find this really refreshing and really important, I think, for us to use as a bit of a, whether it's a framework or guide rails or a methodology going forward, because I feel like this pace of change and change itself and trends, we're just going to see new ones. They'll just change uh, over time. And I think getting more comfortable and I I think um, aware of what works and what doesn't and partnering with our lawyers on this is is critical um, to both functions like ours, but, you know, the, the whole concept of a legal team of the future. So there's some really interesting points that you cover off there. And I particularly love the the experimentation sort of framing and the fact that you set the expectation around 50% of things are going to fail and that's okay. That's where the learning takes place. Hannah has done a fantastic job at making sure we, the legal team, understand that failure within an experiment is okay. And there's Obviously, if you look in the technology space, they look to fail and break things all the time. That's Mm -hmm. the way they create something new is by trying to break it. Um, And so it's a different way of thinking when you compare to what lawyers try to do as their final product. Um, And so it's making sure that uh, people feel comfortable and secure that if something does fail, that that doesn't reflect on them. It's almost, it's making, making, it clear to our legal team that we're not looking at how you would normally think about a legal piece of work is applied to those experiments. Um, And that shift is critical. And I think that Hannah has done a great job in um, securing or or enhancing um, that within NAB Legal. Okay. Let's change our lens for a moment. We'll step back 12 or so months 
And in HSF's 2022 Global Bank Review, Sharon Cook, NABS, Group Executive of Legal and Commercial Services, shared that looking into the future, we will need our lawyers to have digital and data skills, process mapping skills, analytical skills, and skills we don't even know exist yet. So, John, I might direct this at you. Do you think this still rings true one year on? Uh, it'd be really awkward if I said no. Boss <laughs> it, but, um, I think it does. Um, so I think it certainly does. Um, a couple of things from me on this. I, I think the these new skills, they're not only important for us to give the sort of practical, you know, impactful advice to our, our clients internally and externally who are going through the same changes, but it's also the, the core kind of tools we need to um, uh, transform our, the way we work. Um, and you can't really, as we've just described, you can't do that um, outside in. You've got to do that. Uh, it's got to come from within the teams itself, partnering with these other uh, specialists. And so I think that kind of, for me, that skill of partnering and collaborating is something that um, is absolutely essential. And, and probably five years ago, you know, this idea of the um, the model internal lawyer being the deep subject matter expert, and that's probably 90% of what you needed to succeed, is giving way to this idea that, you know, without these additional skills, um, that's really um, that's really your entry into the game going forward. Um, and so um, just sort of collaborating and being curious about the new technologies, I'm not sure if um, both of those are skills, but those sort of soft skills, if you like, rather than technical skills, I'd probably add those to the list. Absolutely. Matt, what do you think? Do you have any that you'd like to add to the list? Um, I think the observation continues to be true. Uh, the bit that I'd probably hone in on is the reference to the skills that we don't know exist yet. So if we go back one year ago, and we now have the benefit of hindsight, and we go, well, what has occurred in the past year that we didn't know then? So two things come to mind. Um, one skill that I think is obviously becoming increasingly important is using tools or processes to differentiate between something that's AI generated and something that's not. We keep seeing this occur and you keep seeing news stories about this, but it does affect um, uh, the legal jobs that we do. For example, there was a story about a US lawyer recently in New York that um, relied on Gen AI to generate uh, a legal brief only to discover somewhat embarrassingly that um, uh, the citations that had been generated by um, the Gen AI were in fact not real or fake. So imagine if you were the recipient of that brief. Do we now have to have a skill set that analyzes whether or not what the other side is proposing has had AI um, generate or help generate some of that brief? Should we have to disclose that as part of our professional obligations? You start to think about these things that we never would have thought about before in that space about fake and real. Another one is a deeper awareness of all things relating to cybersecurity and how it can affect um, our particular field or area of um, interest. So we're all aware that the Supreme Court of New South Wales recently granted an injunction in relation to private and confidential information that had been hacked for ransom um, and allegedly placed on the dark web. I mean, importantly, 
this injunction applied not just to the bad actor, but also applied to all other parties, including the media. And so I, I understand that that was the first of its type that it occurred like this, this type of injunction. But I'd be very happy for my litigation friends to reach out and um, uh, correct me on that if if that proves not to be true. Um, but if if you think about what that means for all of um, our lawyers everywhere, it's starting to just think about how, and this echoes what John was talking about, is just how these themes, cybersecurity as a theme, is not a subject matter expertise that should be just left to that particular field, even though we all need cybersecurity experts. It is how we have to think about those things and how they affect um, the work that we do and the advice that we provide. Hannah, your thoughts? Yes, absolutely doubling down on the digital and data skills, the process mapping skills, the analytical skills, and excitingly, the skills that we don't even know exist yet. All of that absolutely still rings true. But the one thing I'd also add is let's not forget the human skills. So that's a level of empathy and an open-mindedness or willingness to embrace change because the future is upon us now, whether we like it or not. So you know what, let's embrace it, let's support and empower our teams to lean into it and as quickly as possible to ensure that it's working for us and with us rather than against us. I'm hearing things like curiosity, you know, experimentation, uh, the ability to be testing at the forefront, but also with that, I guess, broad perspective of ultimately what lawyers are there to do and their role within a business, which is, you know, quite unique and will continue as well. I'm also hearing the mindset. So there's both a skills component, but also a mindset, you know, for the team of the future to be thinking in a different way. And I think a level of um, legal plus in that respect, I'm also hearing, which is really interesting from my perspective. And I think all of this is reinforcing to me the importance of the human element as things like technology and the risk landscape and all those things progress. So maybe steering us to a close on this particular podcast, at least one final question, and it is a big one. And maybe Matt, I'll point this to you in the first instance, but feel free anyone. In this age of digital transformation, how can we successfully balance the drive to create efficient, streamlined, delightful digital experiences while maintaining a human element in how we deliver law and the legal team of the future? Geez, thanks for the easy question, Libby. That's um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely loving that this was just a, a straight textbook answer. Um, and just as a, a suggestion for moving forward, these are the kinds of questions that are best answered around a table with a glass of wine. So I think the next podcast should be Libby Wine and Friends is what it should be. Mm-hmm. Just just putting it out there. Love I think that that's what I've we should do. That down. Yeah. Yep, that's that's what we should be doing. Um, so in relation to uh, answer, getting back to the question, uh, um, the digital transformation is affecting all of us. You know, it, it is the developed world and the developing world are experiencing digital transformation. Lots of industries, the financial services industry, of course, and legal services industry, are. Uh, there's nothing unique that's happening in their space that isn't happening around the world in a digital transformation 
um, journey. I think in order to get that balance, it's important for us to remember that um, digital transformation is not about removing humans from something. It's about augmenting the work so that we can engage and use technology so it can do certain parts of our work faster and give us humans time back to think, learn and create. And then you wrap that time to think, learn and create around with our special um, superpower of empathy and feeling and think about that's where the real power of what humans can add to the digital transformation that I think that we actually all know at the core that that's what we want to do. We want to get rid of some tasks. I fully appreciate that there are some people out there that say that everything can be automated and that Gen AI will do everything. And I'm like, I just... Can it help us? Yes. Can other technology that hasn't even been invented yet help us? Yes. Has old technology helped us? Yes. But we no longer get the physical mail. We now get an email. It didn't remove the mail. Or you may have a Teams chat. You've still got that communication occurring. You just have it occurring in a different channel or a different um, platform, but you've still got that communication occurring. So it's just how are we going to um, make things more efficient. It's making sure that we always remain um, targeted on where we as human beings want to work and add the most value and then try to get the technology to augment the other things around us. I don't know if uh, John or Hannah, you wanted to add something to that? My only kind of reflection is I think there's a sort of natural gravitation that will happen here. As Matt said, the in-house legal teams will always be motivated and driven by the human elements of the role. Um, it's just that some elements of what we do and the way we deliver will mean that we're you know, giving that strategic advice um, in person and have the time to do it, as Matt said, or collaborating more broadly across the bank to deliver a, a new solution for the um, internal or external customers. Um, and so we'll still get the human element of this will be critical. and. Um, our ability to sort of synthesise advice and intermediate across the bank, bank and use our relationships um, will still be a key part of what we do. Um, but but hopefully in the designing some of these things, that those outcomes for external customers will um, still have the, the magic touch of the legal team. Well, I think we'd all agree we could talk about this for a long time and still barely scratch the surface, but... Alas, we are out of time for this particular conversation. So thank you, Matt, Hannah and John for sharing not only such valuable insight and perspective, but your really honest and open and transparent views about this important topic around the legal team of the future. And, you know, some critical things that I've taken from this in order for us as lawyers and in-house legal teams to stay relevant, you know, reflecting the broader changes that are happening outside of our teams and to do what we and lawyers have always done as well as building this new mindset around understanding, developing, leaning in, adapting where required. And I think being clear, one of the really big things that resonated was to have a clear view or to have a curiosity to build a clear view on where that human element really makes that difference, both to the end customer, but also to your stakeholders. And I think the theme of this year's bank review is all about trust. And I feel like the things that we've touched on today really all 
go towards how each of those can help build trust in all its guises to help the banks grow and innovate and ultimately serve customers and help them prosper. So really thank you. A huge thank you for your time today. It's been a great conversation and and hopefully we can pick it up in the future, as you say, Matt, over a glass of wine. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure, Libby. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Libby. Thank you.